Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. And we're actually doing a little bit of a follow-up today to the depression episode that we did recently. So, Danny, do you want to kind of tell us why we're doing this? Yeah, I do. But real quick, let me give a quick little Organifi shout-out. Hey, if you guys are watching my stories, I do these bowls. Have you been seeing my bowls? I love your bowls. Oh, I haven't even... They look so heavy, though. Are they amazing? So good. I haven't made you one yet. I need to do it while I'm here. But I've been using the Organifi protein and I take the cacao powder, Danette May's cacao. Yep. I make it a little extra chocolatey. Mm. So I've been using, you guys, if you want to do these bowls, you can follow. I've been trying to do like a little tutorial, but basically you just make a protein shake with extra, extra ice. So it's really thick and then you eat it with a spoon. It, it looks feels, so delicious. It feels better. I love the cacao bliss, um, which is Organifi and Danette kind of like teamed up to do it. Yep. And you can make it in, you can put it in your protein shake. You can actually make it as like a hot chocolate. I think that's kind of more what it's designed to be. <laughs> yes. Just mixing it with water. It's like really sweet. It's really delicious, especially you guys are struggling with cravings. And maybe after dinner, one of my favorite things to do after dinner is to make one because to me, it takes like 45 minutes or an hour to drink because it's like so hot. Yep. And so if you're someone who like to maybe nibble after dinner or you kind of like to snack a little bit it's actually something that's really cool because it you know for me it's it's the alternative to like constantly opening up the cabinet and being like what can I eat so it's it's and it's tastes great too it's, it's obviously chocolate so good can't yeah. miss it yeah so get it both organifi.com use the best life at checkout to get 20% off um, we appreciate them so much and yeah follow my stories if you guys want more ideas or share your ideas with us because it's always fun to mix and match. Things. I love getting tagged when people are using Organifi or tagging us. Yeah, awesome. me too. It's fun. So, okay. Cute. So we're going back to the, we just launched, we did the depression episode um, this last week and I got a lot of amazing feedback on my Instagram post, but there was a couple comments that kind of stood out to me and I don't want to say triggered me, but I realized that we needed to go a little deeper on this. And there were comments to the effect of, well, thank God you had Jill and which obviously yes is the case, but it was almost to the effect of like, you have Jill, I don't have that person there for me. Or I had to I had to check myself into a clinic all by myself. And I don't know if I'm more upset about having to do it or having to do it alone. Mm. And so I really wanted to bring that up and really kind of call this episode like no one's coming to save you. Because while absolutely have so much appreciation for Jill being there and going with me, ultimately you know, I got to do the work myself or we have to do the work ourselves. We cannot wait for someone to come save us. And for me too, I was thinking about this, like, even if I had made a comment, there's no expectation that Jill should have done anything different. She could have just been like, cool, here's the keys, go do your thing. And I was planning to take the car and go by myself anyway. And I was planning that, obviously I know that I wouldn't have waited in that line. Um, I would have probably left. I definitely would have left, but then I would have come back because I knew what I needed to do for myself. I wasn't taking like off the responsibility and putting it on the shoulders of Jill to have her have to do that for me. Mm -hmm. So we really wanted to talk about, and just not even with depression specifically, but just even in general of people coming to save you. So I'm going to read really quick this post I did last June. It was really kind of launching my Life AF program, 
but the post is no one's coming to save you. And I said, no one's coming to save you. Not Prince Charming, not Superman, not hmm. the next president, not Santa Claus, not your next husband, not your mom and dad, not even Jesus. You have to save yourself. Does this mean you have to do it alone? No, but the journey is one you must make on your own. You can hire a personal trainer, but they can't exercise for you. You can hire a coach, but they can't play the game for you. You can read the Bible, but you can't make choices for you. You can ask for help and guidance, and you should, and you don't have to do it alone, but you do have to do it on your own. So really, we just want to talk about that, of being able to take responsibility and what what does that look like and how are we maybe putting expectations on other people to save us or are we waiting for someone to save us while we got to look in the mirror and go, you know what, honey, it's you got to help a little bit of yourself. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. Um, I, I talk a lot online about how like in my 20s, I was really what I consider to be like VC. We talk about this a little bit, VC or victim culture. Like victim culture for me was always complaining about other people and like blaming them for a lot of things that were going wrong in my life. I remember I worked a full-time job at a university and I remember just constantly having complaints about people in the workplace. And I know, you know, we're lucky enough now that we get to like work from home. We work from people that we really like that we get to hire and we get to contract. But you know, if you're someone who's working in a workplace, you have a boss or you're reporting to or whatever, like you can't control that stuff. And so for me, I wanted to ask you like, what are some of the triggers for someone to know like, holy shit, I actually can't sit around and wait for somebody to take this off my plate or I can't rely on someone else to do this. I need to take responsibility here. Like what are the triggers? What are the red flags? What are like for you? What are the some emotions that come up when you're like, okay, it's on me. I can't wait around. For me, it was complaining and blaming. Yeah, I think, well, complaining and blaming for sure is definitely a trigger to go, what am I doing? I think I would, like I was going to ask you this question of, should I have expected you to take me? Because if you turn that around, like if you go, should I expect someone to do something different? You kind of have to go, well, why would they? You know, should I have expected you? I mean, I think well, like, because you could easily go, well, that's my friend. And that's what, because this is what we do, right? We say, that's what friends do. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we also say, I would do that for them. Right. And I think that's such a trap, yep. right? That's such a trap where we in our minds have, and I hate to use the word, like, I think a lot of times it, it does come down to uh, keeping score yep. in a way. Like, even if you're not like ticking things off in your head, you go, wow, I'm always putting myself up for this person yeah. and they're not reciprocating. Yeah. You know, and this is something that actually Jay and I dealt with a lot in our marriage because the reason why we at times would get in arguments or the thing that kind of always was a trigger between us was that we didn't show love the same way. We didn't show appreciation the same way. So it's hard when you have someone in your life that you're close with, whether it's a friend or a coworker or a, a partner, and they're going, I don't feel like you're doing what as much as I'm doing. Yeah. I feel underappreciated. I feel like you're not showing up for me. I feel like you need to be doing things differently when in actuality, the person might be showing up for you, but they're showing up in different ways. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if you guys have read the, f- the five love languages, but this is, you know, it's a very kind of like simplistic way of looking at it, but it's by Gary Chapman, right? Gary Chapman? I think so. Yeah. Five love languages. If you guys have not taken the quiz in that book, I think it's really insightful. It's not like the end all be all for relationships, even friendships, but I do love the idea of sometimes someone is supporting you and you can't feel Mm -hmm. supported. Mm -hmm. And Jade and I would always miss on that. We'd always miss because he would show me through words of affirmation. You're doing amazing. You know, you can do anything. You're so smart. You're so like he was boost me up almost like as a mentor. And the way I showed him was like through quality time and gifts and like those kind of things. So we just and he never kind of saw it because I wasn't 
giving him love in his language. Yes. And so there's five different ones. We can kind of just run through these really quick. It's, and I'll ask you what yours are. I think this is kind of like a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's good. Yeah. There is words of affirmation. There's quality time. There is physical touch. There's acts of service. And there is gifts. And a lot of times our expectations for others, we expect them to love us and appreciate us and show up for us in the ways in which we would do that. So, you know, if Danny was an acts of service person, she would be like, it's important to me that my friends take me to the clinic when I need it. It's important that my friends, you know, take the trash out. It's important to me, like if that's what, and that's not, I don't think that's your love language. So for you, how do you feel love? What are yours? Mine are supported even. Mine are definitely words of affirmation and physical touch. And, uh, Words of affirmation is big for me. Interestingly enough, I, you know, I, I didn't think it was until when you don't have it, then you're going, yeah. hey. But yeah, it's so I've learned this in another way. I used to go to these Danny Johnson workshops and she has personality. There's so many personality types, right? You know, but she has these four gems and it's basically like speaking someone's language. It's like if I speak Spanish and Jill speaks English and I'm trying to express something to her in Spanish, she's not understanding because she doesn't speak my same language. Mm-hmm. So really the love languages, it really is like being able to speak someone else's language. And that takes a level of emotional maturity. So on this no one coming to save you kind of thing, should I have even expect one, should I have expected her to take me Two, should I have even expected her to know what to do? Because what if she like just thought, oh, if I just say, hey, are you okay? That's enough. And yet in my my mind, I needed her to show me, but she didn't know that that was my love language. Then we're just, we're talking two different languages to each other. And ultimately somebody feels like they're, they start getting resentful. And it's yeah. really, I don't even think that's, that's fair. Right. It's not fair. Yeah. So definitely I'm, I'm a uh, acts of service and physical touch or sorry, not acts of service, uh, words of affirmation. And like gifts is so far from me. So somebody could buy me and bring me presents and gifts. And I remember actually this happened in the past. Uh, An old friend of mine sent me some gifts and I was grateful, but I didn't post it on social media. I didn't really make a big deal of it. And she was very upset and hurt by it. But for Mm. me, it just didn't, it wasn't Mm -hmm. that I didn't appreciate it. Just it's not a big thing for me. And so these things too are we, I think a lot of this comes down to expectation management. And again, we we always talk about honest communication and proper communication. Honest communication communication for sure. Telling what you need. One of the things that, and so we go back to like the triggers of like, how do you know when your expectations are too high for someone or, or you have unrealistic expectations or you just have expectations in general. And I feel like if, if I have expectations for other people that they need to show up in a certain way, they have to be there when I need them. They have to, you know, take care of me in the way that I feel taken care of. And I don't get that. I'm going to start feeling resentful, yep. unappreciated, taken advantage of, like I'm putting out all the work and things like that. On the flip side, if I don't have those expectations, when someone does show up for me, I can feel so grateful for that. Like now I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I never would have expected that you would be here for this or that you would reach out to me. And this happens to me constantly. Like, you know, and and you and I are both coaches. So sometimes I'll get on a coaching call with one of my clients and I'll just be like, cool. So what's been going on? Like, how's your summer? Like I'm asking them all the questions because I'm like, hey, we're here to talk about your business or whatever. And every once in a while I get one of those clients that's like, how have you been? Like, I just saw you were and will like turn it around on me. And yeah. it always takes me aback. Yeah. Because I don't expect that like someone will actually ask me because I'm like, this is a coaching call for you. Yeah. And yeah. when they do, I don't need it, but I just definitely notice it. Yeah. And st- stuff like that happens to me quite a bit. And I think when we don't expect other people to do anything for us, right. and I know that feels like kind of like cutthroat. Yep. 
I think it leaves so much room for appreciation and just feeling like, wow, this is really amazing. Like you, like that post you posted on Instagram was so just like, I appreciate Jill. I mean, I felt like the post was like mostly about me, like awkwardly, but in a way I, I think it was nice. Like you didn't have to see it that way at all. You could have just been like, Jill took me and she was my friend. And you know, of course that's what you do with your friends. Yep. Yep. I just, it was just interesting that people would say, well, I don't have that. So therefore I, it was almost like if I don't have a Jill in my life and I would love for everybody to have a Jill in their life. But if you don't, guess what? If I don't have Jill, which I don't have Jill all the time. And also I don't expect her to do anything. I still have to take care of my own self. And there's another thing too, where I think sometimes we go, well, well, I'm acting quiet or I'm acting different. And so we're, we're almost like putting out, like we're expecting people to notice, right? So I'm going, I'm just, I don't want to say like these silent cries for help, but sometimes I think we do this where there's like a cry for help and we just expect people to go, Hey, I noticed you've been off, but everybody's in their own world and we can't actually expect everyone to notice when things are off. Cause sometimes it's so subtle. We think that we're like silently screaming for help or that we need it. But if you don't actually speak it out loud, it's not being said. We might think our body language is showing it. We might, I mean, and how many times with men and women, especially yeah. guys are like, is anything wrong? And you're like, no, but inside you're just like, Oh my God, of course something's wrong. Like how, can how they could not you know? not? notice that something is wrong but just people are in their own world and unless you say it you can't have that expectation and also is it proper to put that expectation on someone to take care of you I think that's the I think that's the ownership of the person receiving it right so like you know if you came to me and were like hey you know I really could use some help today that's now it's on me to to decide what I want to do. Right. So I wouldn't, so if you're someone who is looking for help or is looking for, and we'll talk about maybe how you can maybe cultivate a relationship so that you can have someone in your corner a little bit more. If you're at that point where you want to say, like clearly articulate your preferences, that's all you can do, right? Like you and I've had this conversation multiple times is like, if something is on your mind and you're talking about someone to someone else more mm-hmm. than you're talking about it to them, mm-hmm. it's time for the conversation to go to that person and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And I don't blame you for that. I know you have your own thing. I know whatever. But as my friend, like this is how I would prefer for you to show up for me. Yep. That's all you can do. And then you have to detach from the outcome yep. and let the chips fall in terms of how they're going to perceive that. And that's one of the hardest things is going, hey, I really need help. Here's how I would prefer to, to feel help. Or here's what, here's what in these moments that you can do for me if you want to. Yeah. Are you willing to do that? So stating your preferences clearly, it doesn't need to be a big confrontation. It doesn't need to be a big argument. It can just literally be like, this is how I'm feeling here. Yeah. And then the other person has their response and they can be like, oh my God, like for me, I would just be so grateful even yeah. if you came to me and you're like, hey, this is how, like when something like this happens, this is how I really feel like I want to be supported. Yep. I would be like, thank you for the gift of that information because I don't fucking know. Yeah. I think that it's very, and I, I hate to say that it's a cop-out, but I'm just going to call people out on it. It can be a cop-out to expect someone's going to save you. And no yes. matter what, like I've seen, and this I, this happened when I was a personal trainer. Somebody would hire me as a trainer. I had this girl. She I worked out with her one time. She comes back a week later. We get on the scale. She gained three pounds and she screamed at me. She's like, what did you do to me? I'm going, I wasn't with you every single day for the last week. I don't know. What did you eat? You know, it's not my fault. But the fact of, I hired a trainer, therefore I'm like, you are now all, it's my job to get her in shape. And I'm like, yes, it's my job to teach you and to help you, but I can't be in control of everything that goes in your mouth and what you're doing for the 24 hours that you're not with me or the 23 hours every single day right. until the one, the one hour a week you're with me. Same with hiring a coach. I've, I've heard people complain. They're like, well, I'm in this mastermind. I hired this coach and my business isn't making money. And it's like, 
your coach can't do the work for you. You have to do it for you. And I think sometimes it's easier instead of taking responsibility to blame someone else. So I I could even say, well, Jill didn't take me to the clinic and she didn't make me stay. So I'm still depressed or, Mm -hmm. um, my coach is making millions of dollars and I like watched the, I watched the videos and I'm still like, I did what they said, but I'm not making all that money yet. I mean, it's just easier to point fingers at someone else instead of looking at going, am I actually making the effort and can I do this myself? And, and why is it about the other, why is it about the coach? Yeah. This happens all the time in our space, especially in like business coaching, entrepreneur coaching Yeah, is I do see, cause I'm in a mastermind, high level mastermind and you are too. And people literally, so many people have asked me, is it worth it? And I'm like, yeah, and I already knew it was worth it before. I like when I gave the money, I knew mm-hmm. it was worth it. Like mm-hmm. for me, anything that I learned from this and get out of this is just a cherry on top. Cause it's not even about the coach. It's not even about the mentor. And I hate to say it, but, you know, in my experience, it's happened to me plenty in the past that I've had previous clients of mine looking at my lifestyle and going, you know, I can't believe that Jill gets to live that lifestyle and like I'm bankrolling her and shit like that. And I'm like, if that's how you're seeing your coach, first of all, I would never want to hire a coach that wasn't making a shitload of money if that's (laughs) what my goal is. Like, why would I want to have a coach that wasn't living the lifestyle that I wanted to get to? And so that's a mindset shift. If you find yourself feeling like and positioning yourself as the victim of this person, like tricked you into spending your money or tricked you into like hiring this, I mean, like that's an issue. And that's why you're going to remain unsuccessful actually. And so it's hard. I know this stuff feels like a little bit harsh, but I really want to challenge you guys to think about this from the angle of taking radical responsibility for everything in your life. Yes. Circumstances are different. Always going to have, you know, some people have just more like unearned advantage. Some people come from different homes, different spaces, different, you know, areas of the country. Like there's everyone kind of starts off at a different place. I don't want to gloss over that because it's very real, but we're talking about in real time decisions, in real time attitude adjustments. You can choose your effort in the moment and you can choose your attitude in the moment always. And I think that, you know, yes, there's all different like starting places, but I do think it's important to remember that you have a lot more fucking power than you think you do. Yeah. You have so much more power than you think you do. Yeah. I think taking responsibility, responsibility, (laughs) can't even say it, can be, it can be easy to to have a cop out to blame someone else, but it also can be the most powerful thing you can do because then no one can take that from you too, right? So if I make decisions to help myself, to save myself, to do the things, then nobody could take that away. They can't go, well, you were given that. It's like, this was my choice. This is what I did. So it's ultimately, it's the most power you can have, even though it's the easiest cop out to blame someone else when you're just not feeling like you're in your power. I know. I, I think have, it is the best way to get your power back. That's it. I had, you know, I had um, written down here. I said, is it ever advantageous to do it yourself? And it's of course. Yeah. So it builds confidence. Yep. It builds trusting in yourself. Yep. And my question to you is, does it make you trust others less if you're always DIY? Yeah, I think it can. I think that ultimately comes down to sometimes control issues, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I was the kid growing up whenever we did a group project, I felt I like, exactly you're gonna cause you know, like <laughs> I was a straight A student. I didn't want my grades in anyone else's totally. hands. So I'm going to freaking take over the group project. Yep. Um, and so I did get it to a place and it's hard to be actually an entrepreneur now. And you know, you, you and I have a similar thing with this is like delegating and giving other people stuff in our business. Totally. We tend to want to take control over it all. So it's advantageous to do it yourself. It can hurt you for sure. But the flip side of that is if you are expecting somebody to come do things for you without actually having the conversation and then playing a victim because of it, that's that's another 
that's another issue to be had. Totally. You know, one of the things, like how does someone know when it's time to do it yourself? You know, one of the things you said was it puts you in your power. Yeah. Which I think is key. So if you're someone who is feeling out of their power, and this is where the shift came for me. I talked about this a little bit in the affairs episode, but I think I had mentioned in my 20s, I was very much like expecting people to do things for me, right? I was complaining. Mm-hmm. I was blaming. I was like, I just need people to be different so that I can be happy or successful or whatever. And Jade and I went through a little bit. He had like a little bit of something with his lover early on before I found out about like the full affair. There was like something going on back in like 2010, 2011 that I kind of found out about at that point. And I remember being like so crushed. Like I didn't know the full extent Mm -hmm. and like it all came out later, obviously. But at that point it was like, you just need to like stop talking to this woman and, you know, and whatever. And I kind of reached out to a couple of people and they were like, yeah, he's an asshole. Like my friends, like he's an Mm -hmm. asshole. And I remember feeling like just powerless in that space of like, yeah, we can agree that like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's kind of an asshole in this moment. But I still felt powerless and it wasn't until I started at that point, that's when I started reading Byron Katie's work. That's when yep. I started reading positive psychology stuff. That's when I really dove into mindset work in like 2010, 2011. Yep. And I'm like, holy shit, now I have tools. Yep. I don't need Jade to do something different. I don't need someone else to be a different way. I got it. Like, And, and that's so powerful. Like when you just feel like you have tools that you can put to work, yep. it's like, I don't need anything from anyone. That's your most powerful place. I love you brought up that instance, because I also wanted to bring this up, this topic in romantic relationships. I think I also did a post just recently that said, love yourself like you're not waiting for someone else to do it. Mm. I think often we're also waiting for somebody to save us romantically. Like maybe this man is going to come and like, we haven't been able to love ourselves, but somebody else will love us. And that will just take away all of the the work of doing it ourselves. Or maybe like we're just waiting for this rich person to come along so we don't have to pay the bills anymore and they're going to take it out. You know, we're waiting. We're all waiting on this person and no one is coming. We're waiting for the president to change so then we can do, have a different job. Like there's so many ways to blame the government, the society, the person who's not like your spouse, who's not doing the things you want them to do. You ultimately, if you like, I think you're right. It's the complaining. If you're complaining about it and you haven't figured out how to do something about it, you either have to do something about it or stop fucking complaining about it. One of the things I always say about resentment is if I feel resentful, it's because I'm not getting my needs met Yeah, and only I can meet my needs. Yep. Like really, if you think about it, it's like I'm feeling resentful because I'm not having my needs met, Yep. but only I can meet my needs. And so my question to you is if I'm starting to feel resentful, like this person's not showing up for me, they should be doing the things that I would do for them. What's the mindset shift? I mean- It's not always easy to say what the mindset shift is. I think there's multiple things. One, recognizing it, going, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm feeling resentful. Some people just don't even know that. Byron Katie stuff, right? Is it true? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, a lot of people don't even, that's why like awareness is the first step. You even have to be able to like notice and name your emotions. Yeah. Like, and like for me, it's like, I'm getting stressed out. I'm anxious. I'm constantly feeling disappointed. Yeah. And if you start to notice that, you're probably in a period of resentment or you're feeling unappreciated or you're feeling like, you know, you're not getting your needs met. Yep. Then what? A question I ask myself a lot comes from A Course in Miracles is, how can I see this different? And so sometimes I'll take a step back and go, how can I see this different? Or how can I look at this differently? And so it's kind of like that bird's eye view. If I could take myself out of the picture and look at it as not me inside my body, but just like almost like a a ghost looking at the situation it shifts things where I go, oh, maybe 
I am being a little too hard on this person, or maybe I am expecting too much, or maybe I didn't like put off as much uh, body language as I thought, you know, it's like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, it, it's that, you know, I'm, I'm acting like I need help, but I'm waiting for somebody to help me, or I'm acting like I need something and nobody's doing it. Nobody's seeing my, my mom's a good example. And she listens to the podcast. So sorry, mom, but <laughs> I, I actually yelled at her and we had a big conversation about communication. She would go, she'd ask my dad to empty the dishwasher. And so she's like, can you empty the dishwasher? He said, sure. But he didn't do it right then. So she's getting all bitter. She starts throwing attitude. She's like, blah, 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 blah. And I said, he said he's going to do it, but she wanted it done right then. So the communication wasn't explicitly spoken, but she's like, he should know I want it right then. But he's in the middle of doing something. So I said, mom, you need to communicate different and say, honey, can you empty the dishwasher? And when do you think it would be done by? So if he says, I'll do it by four o'clock, then she can get upset at four o'clock because he made the commitment at four. But until then, she's got to let it go. But she just would, you know, go around with all this passive aggressive behavior (laughs) and comments. And because she's pissed and he's completely oblivious because he's like, I'll do the dishwasher and I'm going to do it on my time. Of course, she wanted it right that moment and it wasn't going to happen right that moment. So I'm like, mom, you need to just say what you need specifically. Uh, She goes, well, he should know that. And I'm like, well, he doesn't. Or even if he does, you should still be more specific. So, hey, do you think you could empty the dishwasher by four o'clock? If not, then I know Then I'll empty it now or I will empty it by four o'clock or I'll have someone else do it. But, you know, I think we really have to how can I see this differently? Ask yourself, am I actually communicating as specifically as possible? We sometimes think that people hear something that we didn't actually say. She said, can you empty the dishwasher? That's what he heard. And the answer was yes. But what she meant was, can you empty the dishwasher right now? now? And that's not what he res- was responding to. He was emptying, responding to, uh, yeah, it will get done. Yep. So we do need to check ourselves. And in NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic yep. Programming, I, I took right a class. Now. Uh, NLP course, and they really said the if there's any issue in communication, it's it's in basically the ball is in your court as the communicator. Yep. So it's not my dad's fault for answering the way he answered. If if the result, if my mom's not getting the result she wants, she needs to try to ask it another way, say it a different way. Same thing with like the five love languages is if you're not getting the results you want, it's your job to try to learn their language or say it in another way. So I think really a big thing is awareness. And two, how can I see this differently? And then three, how can I communicate in a better way that if this isn't getting through the way I want it to, can I say it a different way? Can I ask a different way? Or can I shift my expectations or what this looks like? Yeah, shifting my expectations. And it kind of goes along with the second, the next question I have, which is, you know, how can you cultivate more supportive relationships? If you do feel alone, if you do feel abandoned, once, I mean, I do think there's something to be said for just going like, okay, I don't really have anybody that can do this for me. And I think there's power in the acknowledgement of that. But if I do want to cultivate some of my friendships to be more supportive, I think the clear communication absolutely is key of preferences. And I'll just share you guys a quick story that I did with my parents. So I think I've told this story before, but after I graduated from college, I ended up, um, I was going to apply for physical therapy school. My parents wanted me to go on to higher education and become like, like more of a respected, I guess, career versus a personal trainer and a fitness competitor. And they were like, just not on board. I was like, yeah, actually, I'm going to stay in fitness. And I'm going to do these shows and I'm going to put this tan on and like all this kind of stuff. And they just did not really appreciate that. They did not support me at all. And I get that. But one really interesting thing happened. And when you said NLP, it reminded me of this because what I started doing was, you know what? I was like, you know what? I don't really have to have a relationship with them. 
but I want to have a relationship with them, right? Like they're my family. I care enough to work on this. So I started treating them as if they were already supportive. So one of the things I started doing was like any tiny little hint of like any kindness or like support or whatever, I just affirmed it. And I would just say, and I would even like, after you got off the phone, I would send them a text or an email and say, hey, I really appreciate how you, you know, support me in this. I really love how much, you know, I couldn't be doing this without you, right? We don't want to lie about it. So make sure that there's some level of like truth to it. But I think we can preferentially affirm the behaviors that we want. And even if we have to like fudge it just like a little bit to go like, hey, even if they weren't like the most supportive person, if they do show an element of support, it's going to make them feel important when you say, I really appreciated how you did that. That really meant a lot to me and not let those things go unnoticed. So it's, yes, it's NLP. It's kind of like a a Jedi mind trick a little bit, but at the same time it works because people want to feel useful. So they go, oh, I'm getting affirmed for being there, for being supportive, for showing up for the person. I want to do it more, like even for me, after your post and everyone was like, I wish I had a Jill, you're so lucky. I'm like, fuck, I want to do it again. Like, should we go to the clinic now? Like, <laughs> right, what right. should we do next? <laughs> no, it's just like we were talking today, we were walking Pip and uh, Jill gave Pip a treat after she pooped. And I was like, <laughs> I go, it wouldn't be so crazy if we get like a little treat after we do something, like after we go to the bathroom, of course. But basically you're like, you're giving them a, a psychological treat so they will do it again. You're training kind of back to like, we teach totally. people, we train people, we teach, teach people, people how to treat us. And it's giving them that little treat of going, oh, this is something they like. I'm going to do it again. And it's, yeah, it's like giving, it's like giving a little snack after you go to the bathroom. It's a psychological treat. Like we're, as humans, we are addicted to the affirmation of like, I want the people that I love to think that I'm good. Yeah. Right. We're like addicted to affirmation. So, and it's not that it's a lie. It's going to just help affirm the kind of behavior that you want to see more. Yep. And like, we love that. I always want to know how, I'm always fascinated and want to know how everyone in my life wants me to be. Like, how could I be of service to them. And you know, at sometimes maybe I'm not going to be able to, or I have something else to do. But then again, it comes back to that clear communication of like, you state your preferences and then it's on me to decide like, can I provide that or not? And if I can't provide that, then here's what I'm willing to do, or here's what I need from you. And now all of a sudden we have a conversation. What I see so many times, and I know you do too, is people are complaining or they're gossiping or they're passive aggressive and no one's having a fucking conversation. And it, they're like, no, no, I don't need to have a conversation. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But like they're talking to someone else about the person. And I'm like, it's not fine. Like if you keep talking about the person and you're not bringing it up with them, then you need to have a conversation. You know what I think really, really helped me um, besides like NLP is learning about personality types. Um, love languages. Yes. Personality types. There's so many different tests. You can do the Enneagrams, you can do the uh, Myers-Briggs, the gems that I learned from Danny Johnson. I know Dave Ramsey has one, like they're different animals, but there was a big training I did on personality types and it changed literally every relationship I had. There's four personality types in, in Danny Johnson's gems and it was literally blew my mind. I started to talk to people in their language, so to speak. And um, my one of my good friends, Beck's, uh, Beck's life, she is an amazing friend of mine, but I just would always get this idea that like somehow she hated me or <laughs> she just like, she, I felt like she was cold to me and there was just these issues and I realized she was a certain personality type. So in my own little experiment, I started to talk to her in that language, how I knew that she would want to be received. And suddenly she was like the sweetest person to me. Like our whole relationship changed. It was a couple weeks later. She goes, 
what's like, what's going on? And then I told her, I go, well, I'm doing this gyms and I've been talking to you in a way that you wanted me. She goes, oh my God, you're manipulating me. (laughs) And I left and I was like, I'm not manipulating you. I'm just, I said, honestly, I'm honoring you in the way that you want to be spoken with. And it shifted our relationship so much. And it also made me take things way less personally. Once I understood that her personality Mm. type, how she speaks and how she wants to be spoken to. And it really did lay on me. So ultimately, Again, taking responsibility for how we show up, how we communicate, and then realizing that people have completely different ways than we do. And if we can actually kind of honor them, it can turn back around and come back to us. So like she was treating me different. Mm -hmm. She was actually showing up for me as a better friend. And really it was all about me just kind of, it was small tweaks in how I talked to her. It was so simple. And I was like, wow, this is magic. And now I can... I can see pretty quickly, at least I, like for me, I use those four, I use the four gems and I can kind of pick somebody out pretty quickly and then speak in that language. And I think that's why I have pretty good people skills, but I definitely feel like for anyone here who feels like they're complaining or there's a certain person in their life or they're waiting for someone to save them is to look at yourself, maybe do some searching on those personality types and start practicing it, start practicing speaking someone else's language instead of having the expectation that everyone knows that they're reading your mind, that they know what you're going through, that they're seeing your signs that you're putting out because maybe you're just, you're just not. Yeah. And also just not having the expectation. Yep. You know, I am so grateful for Jill and her friendship and all of that stuff that happened, but I would never expect her to do it. I wouldn't expect her to know what to do. And ultimately, if I was still suffering, it would honestly be on me. Yep. And it's not my fault. It's not to say that, well, you have depression and it's your fault, but- no. But nobody, and even if Jill took me, if she dragged my ass to the clinic and I didn't want to receive the treatment, that's still like she, and this happens. People throw someone in, into yep. a mental health place. People will throw you into a rehab. If you're not ready to get off drugs, if you're not ready to get yourself better, if you're not willing to do the work in the business, if you're not going to go to the gym and do the work with your trainer, it still is not going to help. So Jill or no Jill, while she was there for me, I still had to make the decision for myself. I still had to want to be helped. Somebody can't help you if you don't want to be helped too. I do love that. And I love that I know you that like, even if I wasn't around or whatever, like you, you, you would have been fine. You would have done it yourself. You would have like, you would have eventually done it yourself for sure. And you know, there is so much value in do it yourself. I know you and I have done way more alone at the last two, three years because we just haven't had anybody, you know, yep. I'm like, oh shit, I got to like figure this out myself. I don't have a husband to like hang a picture or like whatever it is. Right. Yeah, so yep. there's been a lot of instances you know, of being now single and going like, okay, well, like, how do I do this? And like, I don't, you know, and so I've loved the experience as uncomfortable as it sometimes has been. I love the experience of putting myself on the hook and be like, okay, I've never done this before, but I'm going to. And, and I just want to like bring up this one quick model, which is the confidence competency loop. So one of the things is when you're forced to do something yourself and you feel uncomfortable as fuck and you're like, I don't know what's going to be. And I don't, I've never done this before, but I want to do it myself. I know no one else is coming to save me. I'm scared, acknowledging all those things, and then doing it anyway. What that does is it builds confidence. And then as a result of that confidence, the next time something even bigger happens in your life, you, ha- you know that you can handle it. And you actually start doing more as a result of bu- building your confidence. So if you think about it, confidence equals more competency. Now I'm more competent and more competency gives me exactly what I need to be more confident, right? So it's a feed forward cycle and it's a great way to like jump into the cycle. Like, and I think the more experiences you have as someone who can do things, 
like we talked about just leaving the marriages, right? Like even just the evidence that like, I'm okay. Like I'm going to figure this out. You don't know in the moment, yep. but later looking back, you're like, of course I could do that. Of course I'm good enough to do. Of course I can leave. Of course I'm strong enough. And there's value in the evidence of seeing yourself do hard things. Yep. And that, you know, back to the, the post that I wrote too, was that you don't have to do it alone, but you don't have to but you do have to do it on your own. So you can have support, you can have your friends, but you still have to do it on your own. And I think that's ultimately the thing is there's not just, it's not just black or white where you either have all the support or you have nothing, but ultimately anything that is, takes the work that needs for you to happen, you have to do, you know, you don't have to do it alone. You can ask for support. You can get the, you can hire the coach, you can hire the trainer, but ultimately you have to do the work. Someone could drive you to the clinic, but you have to want the help. All of the things, you can get the help, you can have the support, but you have to do it on your own. So you guys just have to take the responsibility and realize all the support in the world isn't going to matter unless you do the work. And yeah, we're here to support you to do yeah. the work. And we love, love you taking radical responsibility. Yeah. Sometimes there's no one who can help you. That's what you're for. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate this conversation so much and I just appreciate so much your vulnerability and willingness to share. And I know that the feedback has been amazing and I'm hoping that people who are listening and who may have similar experiences on any side of this feel just at least if they, you don't have any insights or kind of takeaways that at least you feel less alone and you know that this is really common. And I just want to say thank you and so much gratitude to Danny for being courageous enough to have this conversation publicly and that I know that it has already helped so many. It will continue to do so. Love you guys. Love you. All right, guys. We'll see you soon next time. <laughs>